hey there folks welcome back once again i don't know why i say once again it's always once again we're always back episode 119 we are joined once again by a uh, longtime gfop good friend mike flores returns to the show to talk about his newest project the cold days of summer uh also this week we're talking about the uh the sad news in las vegas uh the sad news of tom petty uh some new news with the uh, some new news with the utica odd that's right i'm calling it the utica odd still you can hear it in my voice uh plus we're going to talk about some movies you didn't know were based on books and we're going to talk about our favorite thing in the world history lessons all that and more folks episode 119 it's the uticast we're happy to have you Folks, once again, it's the Uticast, episode 119. I am your host. I'm going to introduce us today because I always never introduce anybody. <laughs> I am your host and the producer of this show, Sam Famolaro, joined once again by the lovely and charming Heather Wazlowski. What's up? Nothing. How are you feeling today? You I'm feeling, feeling okay? I'm feeling pretty good. You pulling it together? I'm pulling it together. Good, good. <laughs> and the man, he's like, uh, he's like a clockwork. He's always here. The household legend. I like clockwork. Clockwork is all right. I'll take that. Yeah. Clockwork Kevin Sullivan. He's like clockwork. Yeah, I got to work that in. Clockwork. That's fine. Right. We'll do that. It's here like good. clockwork. Here I am. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome back, folks, again. Uh, joining us this week, uh, as I mentioned, our good friend, uh, our good friend, friend Flynn. Mike Flores. Uh, you know him from Nomad Cinemas, but today we're talking about something different, his new project, uh, The Cold Days of Summer movie, which he is, uh, he is... Sourcing right now, so we're going to talk about that in just Renaissance a minute. Renaissance man. Not only does he play the movies, but he makes the movies, too. I Writer. like their little skits they did before movies. Like, their little yeah. mini films. Those are awesome. Yeah, they get a lot of good content out there on, like, the YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. They make some cool they're stuff. They're awesome. Yeah, they're really good guys. And I have to say, I'm going to talk about it a little bit more as we get on. But I just want to say, for a uh, few folks, Mike, um, Mike is crowdsourcing this movie on uh, Seed and Spark. Uh, it's a website. I'll link everything to this at the end. Did you guys know that we are a... A prize token on the Utica uh, on their is that so on their goal yeah no. if someone so if you give X amount of money what happens you get right. to be the interview on the podcast Ooh. oh wow yeah I uh, okay. I was sort of aware that we were doing this wait they're giving the interview not <laughs> no so you know, I'm if doing you pledge X amount of money you get to come in here and be the interview like episode oh, number X yeah. number featuring guests nice. could be you person who pledged the money yeah. so it could be you you so. could join the hallowed halls of people such as. Tim Hardiman, who will be returning soon. Gary Heenan, who will be here next week. Two-time guests, Joe Marino. Assemblyman Brindisi. You could be one of these chosen few. <laughs> I don't even know how to that. That's bitch I have. Um, no, but seriously, though, uh, jokes aside, uh, you know, this is a project, and we're going to get into the interview later with Mike, that he is incredibly passionate about. He's been working on it for years. This is really, really something that he has uh, been looking to do for a long, long time, and I really hope that we can get him... Uh, the followers he needs to get this thing going through. He has 10 days left in the project, folks. 10 days. Check out the link. Go do it. Um, what else? What else? Oh, 
Yeah. So Heather, you know you are. Oh no. No, you know, no. No, sorry, sorry, it's good. <laughs> you are the third, uh, third alternate host who's been on this show. There were three, two other women hosts, female hosts before you. Yep. Uh, there was, of course, Aaron Higgins. Shout out to our our GFOP, Aaron Higgins, and of course Mara Avery Drayton. However, we have some exciting news about our good friend Mara. Uh, her, uh, she and her fiance Zach got married over this weekend, so her name is now. Mara Sturgis. So congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Sturridge on the golf clap. No longer have those mad initials, but congratulations. No longer. Now they're mad. Now she can be M-A-D-S now. Mads. Ooh. Mads. Sounds like a nice graffiti tag. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, you know, so ladies, if you want the Uticast Uticast buzz with these relationships, Heather's married, you know. She's married. She's got a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Mara, she's married. Higgins. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Aaron Higgins, but you too, if you come on the show, that's all. It's all yeah. you. It's all it needs. Something. Uh, and one last thing, I do want to talk about. We do have today's kind of a downer news day. It was. A lot of so really sad. terrible news today. I was crummy. emotional all day. <laughs> yeah, so a, lot sad. Of, a lot of crummy news. So before we get into the heavier part, I have one more thing I need to talk about. Um, for those of you folks who go down to the picnics at the park on Tuesdays with the Utica Food Truck Association, uh, there's a special event coming up October 10th. 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. It is the Touch a Truck event. It is a hands, uh, free hands-on event where children and families can see and touch UPD fire trucks, police cars, and more. Uh, there's going to be a fire prevention education. Uh, Sparky the Fire Dog is going to be there, which I'm very excited for. They're going to be uh, donating <laughs> uh, non-perishable food to the United uh, Central New York uh, Volunteer Outreach Center. It's a rain or shine event. Again, if you already go down for the food trucks on Tuesday. So this is the one at the Parkway, right? At the Parkway, yeah. Right at the Parkway in the corner at the rec center. Our GFOP, Nick Briggs, who was on there last Mm -hmm. week, you know, a couple weeks ago. You will see him down there doing his thing. I'll be there. They're going to be doing fireworks as well, I heard, Mm -hmm. actually. I remember going to stuff like that when I was a kid, and it was so cool to be able to climb around in, like, the fire trucks and the cop cars, like... When you're just, you know, five or six. I know, and my son's understanding truck now. See truck, and he, he's getting it now. So I think that's always one like, of the first ones. I got some little yeah. baby cousins where, like, as soon as they hit that age, they're like truck. He's like, truck, just, truck, truck. They're truck. sitting in the window like a golden retriever, just looking. I know that's what he does. Sits in the window like a dog. Um, it's true, uh, and, and this is a friendly event for the kids. You can yeah, bring your son and have him touch the truck. We're going there. He's gonna go touch a fire truck or something. There you go. He's gonna have a blast. <laughs> I don't know. You get some great Instagram content out of him sitting in that I fire will. truck. I'm all about exposing him. <laughs> uh, go to maidenutica.com. Uh, check out more info. Uh, touch the truck October 10th, 4 p.m., 8 p.m. at the uh, Parkway Rec Center. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the stuff that's not fun. We have uh, we have another terrible event. Taking place in our country. Seems like it happens at a much faster rate, although maybe it doesn't. Maybe it just seems like it because it's so enhanced in the media cycle. But uh, for those of you folks, you know, who are following what's going on, thoughts, prayers out to the people of... uh, What, thoughts and prayers? No, I know. I know. Uh, People of Las Vegas, really, this is horrible. This is a sad, this is a sad story. Um, Here's what we know so far. 58 people at the moment, at least 58 people were killed, more than 500 were injured. As a result of a shooting at the Las Vegas country, a Las Vegas country music concert, it was like the third day of a three-day festival. Uh, I'm not going to get into the guy's name or who he his name is. I don't need to name it, but uh, he was an older gentleman. Um, officials have denied that this was an Islamist terror attack, although ISIS is taking credit because they pretty much take credit for any terrorist attack. That's how it works. Um, look, there's going to be a lot of coverage about this, uh, so I'm not going to try and dig too far into the details. Um, 
Heather, do you have any thoughts about this initially? Have you read anything about this today? Or no, all I watched it yeah. all morning. It's it was it was really sad, and the people that were showing footage that was on there, they had people like who had pickup trucks, and they're asking, "Can we use your pickup truck to put these these people in there and take them to the hospital?" And they're showing bodies laying on the. I don't. It's it was it was very sad to watch, and um, I wish our not to bring it up, but I wish our president would have made a nicer speech sympathy towards it. I, I didn't get a chance to really look at his response nah. stuff today. I heard it wasn't. But it was, it's very sad. Very sad. Um, I, I just found this to be very chilling. I just try to, you know, in a lot of these scenarios, I try and think of like the situation the person was in when this was happening, right? And put mm-hmm. myself in yeah. like, this was a really like nefarious place to be. You probably didn't even know something was happening until well, it was too when late. When it happened today, the first thought too was as a mom, I think of now everywhere I go with my son, if we go to like a little concert or we go somewhere these thoughts keep these things keep like so repetitive. They keep happening that I fear that it's going when I'm out about. I think of this stuff now, and I know like it's not happening as much as it should happen mm. ever. But I'm it makes me think a lot more. Like everywhere I go, is someone gonna just open fire and I'm gonna get, you know? Like, the, how do we know? <laughs> it's like I sort of touched on a few weeks ago. It seemed you know we have these moments in time where it just reminds us that it does seem like the world is a bit more dangerous yeah. than it was. So, yeah, beforehand, I don't absolutely. know. Kev, where your thoughts fall on this whole on this whole thing? There's a lot to unpack with this, I suppose. Yeah, um, it's the worst. Yeah, I mean, it's it's literally this is so this is the worst now mass shooting incident. We live in a country where almost daily we have what qualifies as a mass shooting, which I think is like more than two. Mm. Basically, they get there, yeah. but I mean this this happens all the time. Mm. This happens all the time, over and over. We've talked. We've only been doing this show for two years, and we've had this conversation maybe yeah. three or four times, like very in depth with something happening. Um, I don't necessarily claim to have all the answers for what you can do. I mean, uh, Las Vegas is never going to be the same ever, ever, ever again. I mean, this guy was in the the, like the thirtieth floor window of a Mandalay Bay Mm -hmm. out there at some concert. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about over two hundred people affected, uh, almost sixty people. You know, have passed away at this point Mm -hmm. that we know about, and it's just it gets to the point where it's numbing, which I feel like it's a that's the worst place you can be because to get numb to it. Or to just, you know, like, to almost to live in fear to it, like a way like that, where you're just expecting it, it's a way of life, that's mm. the saddest thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, something has to try to be done. There has to be at least steps to better understand. Well, they're just finding other places to attack people now. People mm. are, like... I think that's why we need to we need to find a way to better understand and study gun violence in this country. And, I mean, the fact that that Congress has routinely struck down any kind of allowance to research and compile these numbers and look at the data, the fact that they keep mm-hmm. voting that down because they get so much money yeah. from the NRA is getting really gross. Yeah, did yeah. You see the NRA that? putting out videos encouraging people to fight back and they're going to take our guns and like basically warmongering and poking at the people, all this stuff mm-hmm. is gross. Nobody wants to take your guns away, but it's time to talk about it like mm-hmm. adults because too many people yeah. are dying and they're dying too often. You know, I was going to get Those to are the, my thoughts. Well, I was going to get to the NRA uh, and I actually have a little bit about the NRA because uh, instead of getting into tons and tons of detail about yeah. this Vegas thing, I actually got into some interesting information about, like, the general gun problem we have in this country, right? And what's interesting about this is we don't get a lot of negative comments on this show in, in the history, like on Facebook or Twitter when we put stuff out. It's usually pretty positive for the most part. One of the few times I've ever had a negative interaction with somebody on this show was one episode a long time ago. I remember putting it on Facebook, and I had one line in the dialogue. It was like, we're going to talk about gun control. And the guy, like, within 30 seconds of me posting it on there, made some comment about, like, oh, a bunch of liberals talking about gun control, blah, 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 blah. 
And I was like, man, I just posted this. Like, there's no way you listened to this episode. <laughs> this show is an hour and ten minutes long. Like, well, you read that and just made a comment, right? So, <laughs> so I know that like gun control is like a is sort of a thing that, you know, it's a controversial issue, I suppose. But I'm talking about the NRA for just a second. Like, up until 1977, the NRA was just like a sporting club, right? Um, and it wasn't until like crime rates started rising in the 60s and 70s that we were calling for more, gu- uh, the government was calling for more gun control. And the NRA was really just worried that um, common sense regulations like banning assault style rifles or uh, having like a database for federal gun purchases, federal database for gun purchases, uh, they didn't see this as like steps to save lives. They saw it as the first step toward let's get rid of all guns in America. Like we're taking away all of our guns, right? And it's really easy to argue a platform when your entire platform is uh, don't take away our guns. Like, that's the only thing they ever have to rally mm-hmm. against. Like, no matter what is no. Second, like, don't, can't take away our guns, no matter what. It's really easy for people to get behind something as black and white as yes and no, they're taking away my guns, which is how they're going to frame it all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. So I found that to be kind of disheartening. Um, again, there's a lot to dig into here. I just... Let me ask you guys a question. Like, have you ever lived in a household yourselves where you had guns in the house? I personally haven't. Never did? No. No. Yes. Yeah, I did too. Not that I knew it at the time, but I did. Not growing up, but yeah, Mm. certainly. There have been, I've had times where I've lived with people who have guns, Mm. uh, for sure. And I remember, uh, like, my grandfather had his hunting rifles he kept, like, up in his closet or whatever. Like, you knew they were there. Yeah, my grandfather had, like, a hunting chest, like, in his room with, like, shotguns and stuff. Um... I just think it's interesting. I was looking at the... And there are stats for this. Uh, obviously, no other developed country in the world has anywhere near the same rate of gun violence as us. Uh, but also, we have by far the highest number of privately owned guns in the world. Uh, in 2007, the number of uh, civilian-owned firearms in the U.S. was 88.8 guns per 100 people. Oh, That's... That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and think about this. So there's another way of looking at it, okay? Americans make up... 4.43% of the world's population. And we own 42% of all the world's privately held firearms. Right. <laughs> that is horrifying. It's a horrifying concept. There's this this is not this is not uh this is not for everybody in the group. It's not to single them all out, but there are a <laughs> lot of people who are very pro-gun people who are also not big into um, having a nuanced discussion about it, sure. whether by capability or by just not, you know, mm. being stubborn about it. You know what I mean? And I think that's the tough part because, like you say, you don't want to take away anybody's guns. I know a ton of responsible gun owners. I've thought about mm-hmm. owning a gun. I yeah. might own a gun at some point in my life. Um, but there's you, you have to be able to have a conversation about what they are. And, like, look at these facts and these things and be like, you know, it's okay. Nobody's going to take away the guns, but, like, we need to find a way to have guns better. We're obviously not doing it or not give out, like, as good as we possibly semi-automatic can. semi-automatic rifles. And, like, that well, should be, we should be in the military or something if you have that. Or have some kind of, I don't know. Yeah, I or think. Or mental evaluation. Like, they've always talked about, what, why can't we do that? Why can't? Mm-hmm. If you have a gun, you have to go through, like, some council program or something. Well, that's a good point. And in general, uh, according to uh, reports by the Pew Research Center, most Americans tend to support measures in terms of restricting guns. But that doesn't actually translate into the law. Like, most people in the U.S. support background checks, bans on assault-style rifles, bans on high-capacity ammunition clips, bans on online sales, federal distribution. Like, all people all tend to support those. Um, But... 
The reason that it never gets turned into law is because Americans tend to support the abstract idea of the right to own guns. Like, it's hard to get past this idea. Also, because the NRA pumps a ton of money into congressional Mm -hmm. campaigns. Exactly. I mean, you look at, you know, the NRA, they're a huge lobbying organization at this point for the gun industry. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting when you look at somebody who does that and you follow the money, what their motivations would be. Like, make no mistake about it. They, you know, all the talk you heard when Obama was the president, all these, you know, those people. They're out there like, oh, he's going to take our guns away. They're taking our guns away. We've got to be doomsday preppers, this and that. That was amazing for the gun industry. That was amazing. Record profits. People are making tons of money off guns. Then Trump gets in. Gun profits were slumping. That's why you saw that. And he put out those videos being like, there's never been a more dangerous time. you got to defend the Constitution. All they want to do is sell more guns. They pay money to Congress so that they can continue to do what they want. And we just slide this stuff like Las Vegas and Orlando and San Bernardino and all these other places. We just slide them under the rug. You know what I mean? All these high schools, all these colleges, because as long as the NRA is pumping money into Congress, Congress is going to do a goddamn thing about it. I mean, mm. you look at people like Claudia Tenney, who accept money from the NRA. She's not going to do anything to vote Claudia against the legislation. In. She's not going to do... I got another thing about her. We're not even doing it, Michelle. I'll tell you after. But, like, but these are the people in Congress, though. The problems that we have localized with somebody like that, there's people like her spread all over. Oh, absolutely. Who will do what they do for the money before they do it for the people and what the people actually want. And not for nothing... The conservative media, like, because of this, tends to take these NRA support for their politicians really seriously. Like, it's a big deal that Senator Brindisi has an A rating as a Democrat. It's Huge. a big deal for him, Huge. even though it probably shouldn't be. I wish that the Democrats <laughs> would chill out on guns, actually. Because there's a lot of people who only vote with the Republicans because of the guns. I think yeah. we don't need to be so anti-gun. Don't be the anti-gun party. Mm-hmm. But it. be the saner gun ownership. Yeah, yeah, you know, be the, be the evolved it. gun policy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. We want to get past this? We yeah. done for this? Yeah, so, I'm done. Okay. Okay. All right. What else you can say? It's horrible. Same. What people should do, um, I, I don't know if you saw any of this on the internet, there's lines around the block at all the blood donation okay. yes. centers they have yeah. set up. Go and donate blood. Don't I, don't give people your thoughts and prayers if you're mm. not going to give them your blood and your money. Donate 10 bucks to the Red Cross. Donate some blood. Do something. Same thing. We have a horrible disaster in Puerto Rico. People are dying. People mm. still need it in Florida, Houston. Um, if you can write the status, you can give a couple bucks yeah. or some blood. Yeah. Mm. That's all I ask. I actually read actually on the way over here at NPR they're talking about how the blood uh, the blood places in Vegas the blood drive centers yeah. they're actually turning people away now because yeah. they're too crowded too much blood Vegas is too drunk. much blood yeah. too much alright so let's move on from one sad story to uh, another sad story but I don't have as many notes on this one because I was told by multiple <laughs> sources today when we were getting ready for the show that uh, Tom Petty had died Tom oh. Petty of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and now I'm reading that apparently he has not died and he is on life support. So here's what it is. What When he had got um, written as died, he was found this morning out somewhere mm. in uh, cardiac cardiac arrest. He wasn't breathing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his heart, I don't think it was beating. And he was gone. He was put on life support. They brought him to the hospital. And the information that came out was they were going to take him off life support. They're mm. like, you know, he's been brain dead. He's been this and that. We're going to take him off life support. And so that was basically announced as him dying. But sometimes when you take somebody off of life support, a lot of people, you know, who been around that will tell you people will last for a lot longer than you think they don't die the Mm -hmm. second you take them off so from what i understand tom petty is clinging to life but is most certainly probably Mm. almost 100 percent going to pass away Mm. in the next probably 12 hours or so shame it really is it's sad he was 66 which is like not that old and i I was saying this heather i was saying it the same earlier i almost went to see him he played at mountain jam this year the sterling stage and i was kind of tired that weekend i could have gone but i was like ah tom petty he tours a lot like I'd always heard it was a great show, and I didn't. And Tom Petty's one of those dudes, you think about all the songs mm-hmm. he's had, and the more and more you look at it, you're like, oh, wow, I know like 30 songs by this guy. Mm-hmm. It's a shame. 
It's a yeah. shame. Some hurt more than others. We lose a lot of people, but... Well, maybe something magical will happen. Hopefully. <laughs> we could use some good news. <laughs> um, Ta- save us, Tom Petty. You're I all know. Right. You're all if, we have right now. For- if this is indeed the end for Tom Petty, my only... My only silver lining is that maybe this is the it comes in threes thing. For me, maybe this is the end of three. There was Walter Becker from Steely Dan, there was Bobby the Brain Heenan, and now there's Tom Petty. So maybe that'll be the three, mm-hmm. and then it'll stop for a while. Maybe no one else I respect will uh, We pass also away. lost soul legend Charles Bradley last week, mm. who's way up my alley. Mm. Guy didn't get signed for his first record until he was almost 60. Mm. Uh, he finally succumbed to cancer, but... So that might be four, so we might not be on a new cycle. Maybe it's, yeah, maybe it's in fours. Maybe he'll end the cycle by coming back. You had any particular Tom Petty songs you like? Any Tom Petty things you want to say? Um, I like the song I Won't Back Down a lot. Mm. Um, that riff from Running Down a Dream That's is fine. amazing. <laughs> that guitar riff is that awesome. That's really, he's, got, so he's got a lot of great no, songs. No, all his stuff was great. Even the newer stuff mm-hmm. he brought out, I thought was good stuff he put out. I'll give you a good story about Tom Petty. Uh, when I was working, when I was training at MetLife, uh, before I got that job, we did training sessions where we would sit and work on the computers for periods of time in the day. And one of my trainers was a nice lady, and she brought in some CDs. And one of the CDs was a Tom Petty Greatest Hits album. And for years, I'd been kind of like, Tom Petty, eh, free falling, whatever, <laughs> song stinks. Eh. It's she, different when you're on the cover band circuit and every band is playing Every band is playing free falling, yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's like free falling, come on. You know, so... She put on this Greatest Hits Tom Petty album, and I remember like listening to it in the background for a couple days, because there were only so many CDs, and you heard sure. it like, once a week, and I was like, yo, this Tom Petty album. <laughs> I'm, I actually really like the song, Into the Great Wide Open. Mm-hmm. It's like really, That's a great song. It gets stuck in my head a lot. That's mm-hmm. a good, yeah. So I've had like late era respect for Tom Petty. So Tom Petty, thanks for getting me through a couple weeks at MetLife, which was a job I really <laughs> just liked. <laughs> so there you go. We're thinking of you. Um... Do you guys want to talk about the uh, the renaming of the Otter Show? Yeah, hell yeah. Let's you want to talk about that? Fire it up. All right, all right, cool. We need something to be <laughs> something. happy about. All right, so, well, are we happy about this? I, um, I mean, something that we can we can laugh about. Like, this isn't really, like, whatever happens, you can call it whatever you want. I didn't want even hear about this, so tell, I need to know what's going on. Well, the beloved Utica Odd has been renamed the Adirondack Bank Center. Uh, Adirondack Bank won the naming rights, uh, 10-year naming right deal for about $2 million, according to the Observer Dispatch. Uh, Heather, are you going to refer to it now as the Adirondack Bank Center? No, I'm going to go Utica Odds. So. <laughs> I feel like, so I think they tried to, they tried to supplement or, or supplant this concept. They're like, we're going to call it Adirondack Bank Center at the Utica Memorial Auditorium, uh, right? Which is oh, what, so If you're going to go with it, just go with it. If you're going to do it, just rip the damn Band-Aid off. It's going to be one of those things where, like, you come to visit Utica in 25 years and you stop into a bar, like, excuse uh, me, can you tell me to get to the Adirondack Bank Center and some grizzled old local down to the bar's like, oh, you mean the odd? And slam their beer down. Um, I, whatever, like, if you're going to if you're gonna sell it, sell the naming rights, but stick to it. Don't, don't flip-flop. Don't sit on the fence. Either change it, don't try to call it both. Mm. Uh, the only thing I like about it is now you can call it the ABC, yeah. which I'm oh, into. Yeah. yeah, the Bet Center. I kind of like the ABC. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like the ABC. Alphabet City, baby. I feel like I'm getting at the age where I'm not accepting name changes of places. No, you know what? You know because <laughs> we've all realized that we're aging. Like, we're at that age. Oh, God, now I'm getting mad. I don't, like, I don't, I can't remember where it is exactly, but I think there's some stadium called the Smoothie King Arena. Is that New Orleans? It's like the Smoothie King yeah, Center. Somewhere. I was like, oh, that's, that's a, a really terrible yeah, name. Yeah, that's awful. It's almost as bad as some of the names of those like college bowls. Like the Beef O'Brady's mm-hmm. like, Car Repair Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> like, really bad, too. 
Um, but at least you don't have to put those on road signs. I know. It's true. <laughs> 65 days a year. That's true. Hey, uh, speaking I'm of the... I'm surprised Adirondack Bank stepped up. I mean, you never knew who it was going to be. What? They do it for a lot of places around here as well. They're, they're involved in a lot of, like, advertising for a lot of, like, local hockey as well. You see, mm-hmm. I think they're involved with their hockey as well. So this is not out of the realm of, of the norm for them. That's I fair. Would you say they got 10 years? 10 years. $2 Ten million. Years dollars. Bad. Yeah. 10 years isn't bad. Uh, speaking of which, we also got some more good news for the Odd. Uh, Utica Odd has been awarded the upcoming 2018 AHL All-Star Game. It's second in four mm. years. Uh, and we got Gary Heenan coming on from Utica College next week, Utica College hockey coach. I know a lot of our people here, big hockey fans on the show. Uh, you all must be very How the pleased. hell do we have such a hockey following when we like hockey? Because we are the minority <laughs> in this town. Like Most people like hockey mm, here. That could I, be it. That's something I, to do, though. It was something that's true. I do love to know, go to hockey it's games. It's something to do that... I wouldn't consider problem. myself a hockey guy, but I have fun going out to hockey games yeah. around here. <laughs> yeah. See people hanging out, yeah. have some beers. I've never gone to a hockey game at the Odd and didn't have a good time. But it usually takes me a minute to be like, do I want to go to a hockey game? I want to get up and go to a hockey game. I do. do yeah, but isn't that almost someone... everything for you? Like, true. That's true. That's just my life. Gonna, tickets, I'll go. We're going to fly you all expenses paid to the <laughs> coast of Spain for four weeks. You're like, ah, uh, you know. You're going to the airport. Uh, uh, some dishes. There's like. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, I was going to go. I was going to go to break, but I, I wanted to share something with you guys. I, wanted, I have a new segment I'm working on that may pop up from time to time. It's called. Uh, I haven't come up with a title, but it's thoughts I came up with at school because my students ask me weird questions. And you better title than that. I guess questions from my students. <laughs> I had one of my kids ask me this week if he thought that if it would, he would die if it was 200 degrees out. That was his question to me. See, if it was 200 degrees out, would I die? Yes, I said, sir. Yes. <laughs> yes, you would. Maybe. <laughs> and then it got me kind of curious. So I found this list on the internet and I figured I would test. Uh, it's called What Are the Limits? Of human survival. So we're going to ask you guys some questions here and see if you can guess the limits of human survival. Okay? Uh, first off, right, how long do you think you could stay awake without going to sleep? A week. One week. Mm-hmm. Going one week. Kevin? Uh, Not me, but... Like, yeah, right? <laughs> Same. It's like, it's like 7.30 now. I'm ready. <laughs> like three days. Three days. Okay. Uh, the absolute longest anyone has voluntarily stayed awake before nodding off is 264 hours, which is about 11 days. This was a record That's set. Insane. <laughs> it's insane, right? This was a record set by a 17-year-old named Randy Gardner for a high school science fair project in 1965. You better get an A for that project. Yeah. That's super oh. deep. messed up for a while. They said that before falling asleep on day 11, he was essentially a vegetable with his eyes open. He could barely, like, move. Um... Uh, but at what point would he have died, I guess, is the question. So in June of this year, or I'm sorry, June of 20, whatever year the last uh, European Cup was, 2016, um, a 26-year-old Chinese man reportedly died 11 days into sleeplessness after attempting to watch every game of the Europa League champions. So I sort of give him credit for trying to watch all those soccer games. But he was also heavily drinking and smoking throughout, making it difficult to discern. I wonder how he stayed awake, though. It's tough. Drinking <laughs> and smoking, I would imagine. The drinking and the smoking. Drinking and smoking. It would have to, he just powers through. Um, so they did test this in rats. Apparently the idea is that you could survive about two weeks uh, before your body would succumb to what's called hypermetabolism, which is your body would just continue burning calories even when you're, mm-hmm. like, even at all times, we're completely Jeez. still. That's yeah. why they say people don't sleep a lot, eat bad, because they're constantly mm-hmm. hungry. Yeah. 
So there you go. Uh, the, the rest of these are all kind of dark. They're all about radiation and acceleration. My God. I know. I thought we were I getting know. happy here. <laughs> I guess that's enough. Well, I so there you go. Anymore. All right, no more. <laughs> limits of human survival. We'll move on. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> the limits of human survival is one question about the limits of human survival. Um, I found the limits let's... of questions <laughs> about limits of human survival. I found that limit. One. One. So let's go to uh, this week's interview. Uh, Mikey Flores, again, he's a great friend of the show. He's a great friend of Made in Utica. You guys know him from Nomad Cinemas. You've seen him in all the movies. Um, look, it's so... Here's what I'm shouting out to all our Uticast listeners to do here. Mike has 10 days left in his uh, crowdfunding project and Seed and Spark for his movie, The Cold Days of Summer. Uh, more important than reaching the money limit, however is for him to reach the followers limit of 500 followers. So uh, I know it seems like a pain, and we're going to talk about it on the interview, to sign up for Seed and Spark and follow his thing. But you can do it just by logging on through Facebook. You know how long it took me to log in? About 10 seconds. Log in, follow, do our good friend Mikey Flores a favor. You know he does a lot. He does a lot for us. Him and the Nomad Boys, we support them, and I really hope that we get all our listeners out there to support Mikey Flores. Just give him a like. It'll take you five seconds. I promise. Do it. I'll support all the links. Check out this interview with Mikey as he talks about what this project means to him and how long he's been working on it. Folks, we'll be back in just a moment. about this microphone particularly um it has this little red light on the top and people assume that when the red light is on that it's recording mm-hmm. the problem is that's not the case right if it's plugged in the red light is on doesn't that, matter if it's basically on just to tell you that it's being powered people always get <laughs> nervous when i when we're done with the interview because the light is still on yeah, they're, yeah. Always, they're like wait are we still are we still doing this i'm like no no it's fine. <laughs> you don't trust me it's okay yeah uh, I want to thank you for coming back over. I appreciate it. Salud. Um, thanks for bringing this wine. Yeah, my pleasure. Mm. Uh, and of course, we have our good friend Mike Flores, uh, one of the men behind No Man Cinema, uh, who's here today to talk about his new project. I'm very excited about mm-hmm. the cold days of summer. I said that right. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Very good. A uh, couple things I want to say first, though, before we get into that. Yeah. You have very excellent taste in wine. This is the second time you brought wine to our house. Yeah, yeah. Recent <laughs> I, have, I have good taste in cheap wine. <laughs> you know what's funny about wine? I'd say, I, um, so I used to work in this restaurant in New York City, and mm-hmm. uh, I also worked at Taylor and the Cook briefly. Um, so I, I've done two restaurants where I've had at least wine training, where you have to go in and taste all the wines, and, uh, yeah. and they give you like a course on it. Fun if you're not working for the rest of the day. Not fun if you are... If you're doing business, yeah, right? You got shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll say I'll say this about wines is that sommeliers are full of shit, man. Because like <laughs> they did, uh, there was recently uh, I was reading an article about a, a huge tasting that they yeah. did of all these wines. It was a you know huge blind tasting, and they had like 
I don't know how many hundreds of sommeliers tasting all these wines and, and grading them and everything. And I hope I'm saying that word right. That's all right. I always you, say it. I'm going to believe you. you I always say it. it so. Yeah, yeah. I always say it differently. And so, in any case, that's how I'm saying it today. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, they, uh, in the white wine category, the second best wine in the world, like tested amongst all these other wines in the world, was a $3 bottle of wine from Aldi's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, the thing about a bottle of wine is when you go to a store to buy a bottle of wine, like I'm, we're not getting sponsored by Bremers, but generally if I'm going to go to walk around Bremers and look at a bottle of wine, there's two things I'm looking for, especially because I'm generally buying wine for somebody. Mm-hmm. One, how expensive in it, because I'm broke, right? Mm-hmm. But two, how aesthetically pleasing is this bottle? Right? Oh, I agree Because completely. an aesthetically pleasing bottle can make a crummy bottle of wine seem less crummy. Oh, for right? sure. People are very, people are slaves to the vanity of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, usually when I'm buying bottles of wine for people, 80% of the time, it's for somebody who doesn't typically drink wine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was in, is it Bremer or is it Bremer's? I don't know how to say I it. I don't, it's, I always call it, when I was a kid, it was Bremer and Bullocks. So oh. I call it that all the time, and people, and Kev yelled at me, he's like, what do you, what the hell is that other part you keep adding on to the end? <laughs> oh, that's what they that's what they called it back in the day before I could drink. Um, but in any case, yeah, the bottle I bought yeah, yeah. came with a, it was like a, a potato sack thing around it. I was like, oh, this looks pretty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the person I gave it to thought it was super fancy, and it was like eight bucks. The A bottle of wine, unless you're buying it for someone who doesn't drink, like a sober person or like a, you know, like a straight edge type. Yeah. Um, a bottle of wine is a pretty safe gift. No one's going to look at this and be like, it shows you care enough to go to a liquor store and pick up right. a bottle of wine, yeah. if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but thank you for bringing it. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, before we get into one, I just got to say, it's on my head. Uh, I don't know exactly when this interview is going to air. We've talked about it a little bit. This is like a floating time sure. scheme. But I want to talk about It for a second. Did you watch It yet? I haven't. I really okay. want to. Okay, good. I'm not going to bring it up too far then. I just okay. watched it. I have some thoughts. I'll save it until we're till after we're done then. Is it anything like the original? As, the movie? As far as the story, yeah. I mean the the first half, because they're doing two parts. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, they they sort of tease it. it, it well, here's the problem. I read the book a lot as a kid, mm-hmm. so I know exactly what's going to happen. I know who survives and who doesn't. I know all the things going in. It's never really suspenseful for me. I think that's a problem just because I like the source, the, the narrative, right? So it's. Mm-hmm. So this film is. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's more based off of the book rather than. Yes, it's closer to the book. And I don't want to get off... That's that's what I yeah. meant to say, yeah. It's closer to the book. I don't want to get off in a huge diatribe about how you can't really make that book into a movie because half the well, book is... Well, goes with most books, but yeah. <laughs> I, there's the last thing I'm going to say about Stephen King. I've been talking about it a lot on the podcast. The book It is almost half like a book about cosmic and metaphysical evil. Like mm-hmm. stuff that is even hard to describe when you're reading it on the page, right? So it would... Cocaine's a hell of a drug. (laughs) (laughs) He did, uh, you know, he's a party boy back in the day. Uh, So, Mike, let's, uh, I'm not going to stall anymore. Let's talk, let's talk about the cold days of summer. Um, This is the, this is the, I'm going to give you a byline. This is the thing you have on your Twitter for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The story of a boxer who battles through injury, uh, criminal, and uh, an authoritarian school board to save his scholarship and learn the cost of the American dream. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you write that? That is the log line I came up with. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I, it wasn't until I was on my way over here that I realized I had to actually talk about. This. <laughs> so let me ask you this: uh, 
you're acting in this. You're writing. You wrote this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're doing directing in this as well. This is this Sorry, is I your. Sorry, uh, footsie with you. That's okay. It happens all the time. <laughs> uh, this is your baby, really. This is something yeah. that's very close to your heart. Uh, when did you start? When did this really become something that you were working on into a reality? I started writing this. Well, I started coming. I came up with the idea for this for this mm-hmm. story in uh, in college when I was sure. in film school with Mario, actually. Um, I didn't come up with the idea with Mario, but I was in school with Mario. Sure. Um, and it was something I kind of bounced around these characters and these ideas for a really long time. And one day I was moving my parents into their new house in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I was just completely exhausted. And I, you know, turn on the TV just because I'm just zoning out mm. and it's, I don't even know what was on. Yeah. And it clicked. Like, all these characters, yeah. all these storylines, everything that I had been thinking about for so long just kind of fell right into place. It was one of those moments. Mm-hmm. And that night, I wrote 42 pages. Yeah, that's how it works, though, man. That's the, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the way it goes. That's the limo juice. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, so this story, it goes all the way back to 2007, you said, for you, you're talking about? Yeah, it's right. I, yeah. I, well, like I said, I started thinking about it in college, which was like mm-hmm. 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, 2007, 2008, that's when I wrote it. So this just felt like the right time. You're talking 10 years later. This is like a decade later than you're starting. Oh, Jesus, I didn't mean to put that. it in that. <laughs> I, didn't, but I didn't want to put it in that context. But, no, I'm curious because, you know, I, I'm i the kind of guy who over my lifetime has started a lot of projects that mm-hmm. have never that have never finished. They're still floating out there, these long-term projects. And they sort of haunt me sometimes. Right. So there must be some feeling for you that's like this is something you sort of need to do, right? Oh, definitely. Um, I... Well, I, I I originally wrote this for myself. Yeah. I, I wanted to play the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the lead is a as you said he's a, a boxer. Mm. Um, I used to box back in the day. Sure. Jesus, that was a long time ago too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, now now I'm going through my mind thinking about the last time I actually threw a punch. Now uh, we're just now we're just drinking wine and being sad about the old times. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Is this how all interviews turn? <laughs> yeah, most of them go <laughs> this way somewhere through the line. Sure. <laughs> well, um, I, I, now I don't even remember the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the writing. We're talking about. Oh, the sure. So the timing. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so I. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to drag that. <laughs> <laughs> so the the timing is is right because I, I originally I started producing this um, roughly three or four years ago mm-hmm. is when I really started getting behind it and trying to pull a crew of people together to kind of make this happen because I'm I'm a a, a big fan of um, filmmaking as as a team like um, I'm not you know I'm I'm not an artur I um, you know I don't I I don't do everything I wrote this story but I want all of us, you know, anybody who's working on it, for this to be our project. So I've created the story, let's go from here. We've got we've got a project we can now work on. Yeah. Um, and so that's originally was my goal, was to kind of collectively gather a team together where we could uh, potentially produce this, to, you know, it by, by committee, essentially. Wow. I've watched the trailer. You've shown it to me. It's on Vimeo right now, you said? People want to see this it's video? on Vimeo. It's also on YouTube. Oh, nice. Good. I covered my bases. Did you? Smart. Yeah. <laughs> very smart. Very smart. Uh, and I really love the way you shot everything. You know, there's it's it's crazy because knowing how involved you are in the process, it's really interesting to see the way you presented it. It's really well done. I love the way you've like I love your camera work. I love the actors you've chosen as well to be in it. 
Um, who's the guy who's the boxer? He's really good. He is an actual boxer. Yeah, His name is Joseph Stray. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, right? It's very believable. Well, it's funny, you know, because sometimes you watch, like, a boxing movie, and it's very obvious that this guy's never thrown a punch in his life, in right. real life, right? Never, never in anger, certainly. Right. Um... But this guy, he was, like, hitting the bag in the video. I'm like, oh, oh, he's legit. He's yeah. a technique. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. He actually, um, he is a coach and a trainer. He is the head of the Syracuse Boxing Gym. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually signed with the Mike Tyson Academy. Really? Uh, down in New York City. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's making his way, man. He's, he's making an impact. And he's, I mean, this guy is Vincent. Mm. Um, like, he really just kind of, imp- he, he brings this authenticity to this character because... I mean, it's, 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 the similarities are, are the, like the, it's insane. Cause mm-hmm. I, when I originally, um, approached him with the script, um, he, he calls me up and he goes, and he, he asks me like, Hey, do you like, do you, do you know me? <laughs> I was like, I've never met you in my, my yeah, yeah. life. Basically, the script he he felt it was like a breakdown of his biography. Like it, the similarities were were in the parallels were just. In, and he was on board right, right away. Yeah. Oh yeah! Immediately, he's he 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 knew it was a good strong project that he could get on board with. That's probably nice too, <clears throat> to have somebody on board who you know who's boxing who can really make sure that everything looks real and feels real and has that real right. terminology and tone to it the way that you know someone can't fake. Right, and honestly, like. After, uh, originally I met him, I was just location scouting. I was mm-hmm. looking for rings and stuff. I was still, at once this contest came to me, and, like, I really felt like this was the right time to just do something with this project, because, honestly, it's just been kind of, you know, yeah. it's muddy tire spinning, yeah. basically. And so I really wanted to move forward with this, and this contest with Seed and Spark mm. just kind of fell in my lap, and, uh, I you know, I really was like, what, what better time than now? We've got to do something, you know? Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about the Seed and Spark? I saw a lot of comments about uh, it referenced on the Twitter page there. Uh, can you, I don't know what really it's about. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically like Kickstarter sure. or Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a crowdfunding campaign site, but it is strictly for independent films. Mm-hmm. And uh, this rally, as they call them, every, they have these uh, uh, very uh, tailored and specific rallies, is called Hometown Heroes. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, they're they're looking for projects that are uh, basically inspired by one's hometown, or in my case, mm-hmm. my adopted hometown, because mm-hmm. the city of Utica really did inspire this mm-hmm. script. Um, the, I wrote this for upstate yeah. New York. <laughs> <laughs> I got a novel floating around like that too somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll uh, but uh, the winner of this rally uh, actually gets the Duplass brothers come on as producers mm. for their film. So it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, for the other guys, uh, that's Mark and Jay Duplass. Those are the mm-hmm. guys, uh, people who recognize Mark from, like, The League, I feel like. And yep. then he has the show on the Netflix that everyone likes. Um, I'm going to forget, Bloodline, is that him? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty badass, actually. Yeah. Nice to have that sort of, like, I don't like to say character dangle, because that's what it feels like making a movie always feels like, right? Little right. carrot dangling out the front. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, that's awesome. That's really cool. Oh, I'm getting a phone call on the air. Uh, that's all right. It's Kevin, our co-host. All right, well. Anyhow. Should we, should we just tune him in? We can tune him <laughs> we'll, in, I suppose. We'll, we'll catch him up. <laughs> um, so I got to say, the crowdfunding thing is actually, this is something I'm seeing more and more uh, with video games, with movies, with a lot of things are going to this platform. Why did you, why did you decide this was the way to go? Well, for one, I really wanted to take in part in this competition. Uh, Jay and Mark Duplass are kind of like my idols right now. The, yeah. the new pioneers of low-budget filmmaking. 
And they're doing it, man. They're making the films that they want to see. They're basically saying no to Hollywood, no to the studios, because they're not making the movies that they want to make. And they've got these insane deals with Netflix and with HBO, and they're they're living the career that they wanted. And so uh, just any opportunity to even possibly work with these guys sounds amazing. And it's kind of, you know, the... Um, uh, what's that old saying? The, uh, um, the success is, uh, you know, a perspiration. And oh yeah. 90% perspiration. And, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 So I figured, okay, I'm prepared with this project. It's not really doing anything, but sitting on my, my, my hard drive. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make, let's make something happen with it. So immediately I just, I, I started making phone calls. <laughs> I did my best to get Mario excited and get him on board, which yeah. he actually, he shot this with me. Nice. He shot the trailer with me. Yeah. And we shot the whole thing in less than three days. Mm-hmm. Shot and edited yeah. everything. Just pieced it all together. Um, just so we had, you know, something to present because we'd rather show instead of tell. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's always a nice thing, too. You don't want to show up with somebody and be like, here's our idea. Check it out. If right. you can have some product to show somebody, it's... it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to showcase your abilities rather than just saying, well, hey, I'm, I'm Michael Flores and... I got this uh, really coming of age story and <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> David Lynch is walking in that doesn't work normally. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, what's uh, are you trying to set reward boundaries and stuff? We talked a little bit about this over the phone. Have you thought about right. rewards for? Well, your... going back to the the, the home hometown heroes yeah, yeah. thing, um, because it's it's they're they're searching for these uh, stories that are 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 based on one's hometown or inspired by one's hometown. I have done a lot of incentives that are from Utica. Yeah. In fact, um, I, I spoke with the Utica Zoo, and um, because we've done work with them through Nomad Cinema, mm-hmm. they donated an animal encounter yeah. that we can use as a reward. Mm. Uh, so you could actually go onto our page, mm. onto our campaign page, and if you donate, uh, I believe it's $200, which is cheaper than it, the actual rate for this encounter yeah. is, yeah. Um, you can get a uh, uh, up-close and personal encounter with their uh california sea lions that's pretty badass yeah pretty badass yeah so i've done a lot of stuff like that mm. that's <laughs> good. and that's smart too you know it's like that's always something i thought about because like, in this world we live in where um where i sort of do this for free because i like doing it and we've gotten we've made money off this in the past but only when we feel like it's the right time to right or when it's a good deal um sometimes i do think about like uh it's probably it's probably just as easy as asking. I never asked for anybody. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've learned an yeah. insane amount of stuff yeah. over the past like two weeks mm. from Seed and Spark. Oh yeah. Because not well, I'll I'll say this: not everybody was accepted into this rally. Mm-hmm. So once you get accepted into it, they give you a mentor, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Really? Yeah. So I got this mentor who actually critiqued the page that I created and which the, the page I created was very, I was just filling in blanks because we got it in at 1130 on, you know, a midnight yeah. deadline. So I, I filled in a lot of blanks. So he had a lot to say, but I took his advice and I've been able to completely tailor my page to, you know, everything that he had to say, because I mean, these, these guys, they know what they're doing. Oh yeah. They actually have like uh, online workshops that you can attend and I've done all that. And this, this is like, this is a full-time job, crowdfunding. Oh, yeah. I totally <laughs> see hard. why now how, how, how people's projects completely fail or, you know, don't go anywhere through crowdfunding because you have to attend to this every single yeah. day. And it's 
all day. I could see why there how there's like marketing companies that do this for people. It's crazy. <laughs> when you're when you're when you're making something creative, whether it's you know music or film or art or whatever it is, there is this intimacy to it, and it and it sort of forces you to be intimate to the process. Now mm-hmm. when you're there when you're there every day and you're out there every day crowdsourcing, it does feel like every little moment sort of is amplified, right? And that's right. probably part that's part of the process too. That's what makes people feel involved, I suppose. Sure. And I mean, they you know they want to feed off of your passion yeah. as well. So, uh, so. That's pretty cool. Is there a website right now for people to go if they want to look yes. at it? Yeah. Seedandspark.com backslash fund backslash the dash cold dash days <laughs> dash of dash summer. I'll have to link that in the in the bios afterwards. That's, I'll look it that's up. What, that's what they provided me with. Unfortunately, <laughs> I couldn't really change it up too much. So. <laughs> you're on Twitter, though. I saw you're on Twitter already. So you can follow, uh, you can follow our good friend Mike Flores on Twitter at Cold Days Movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's cold, cold Days of Summer on Facebook and uh, mm-hmm. Cold Days of Summer on uh, Instagram. So I have some broader questions to discuss with you mm-hmm. about uh, boxing movies and I guess sports movies in general. Sure. What I'm curious, as the writer of this film, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I feel like sports movies, it's very easy to fall into a very similar pattern because sports movies sort of got... There's a period of time I feel like where there was a... Everyone makes a box. Every actor wants to make a boxing movie or a sport. I mean, there's like oh, a of run of sports movies. It's hard to not run along the same parallel. So, were there like challenges for you in trying to find a way to make this a unique story as opposed to a traditional like boxer, you know, story? Well, that's that, that's a very valid question, and um, I, honestly, it was the the life of this person, yeah. this character that I created that really kind of steered the story more than mm. him actually being a boxer. He yeah. could have been a golfer, a tennis right. player, any you know mm-hmm. single player sport. Mm. Um, but the thing is, you know, boxing is different from those other sports. Boxing silver spoons don't do well in the square ring. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to be hard. You have to come from this hard place yeah. to really succeed in this sport. Because even when I was boxing. I didn't. I didn't do it professionally. I didn't even do it am- amateurly. Yeah, I, yeah. I I did it as a hobby. Yeah, like, and I wasn't going any further than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I I did have a coach that wanted me to train and work harder and actually go further into it. And I considered it for maybe ten seconds because did you spar. Yeah, I, I I yeah, I used to spar all the time. But I didn't. It, it just wasn't really something I wanted to pursue. You know, See, I'm I'm always so curious because I got like a bag downstairs where like I grew up watching Mike boxing. My grandfather liked boxing. My dad liked Mike Tyson. I don't think he liked boxing so much as he liked Mike Tyson and gambling. I think <laughs> again, it could have been any sport as long as there was money. Uh, but I find boxing to be fascinating. And when I was living in New York, particularly, I was really interested in the idea of like going to a boxing gym and just training like a boxer, but not boxing because I didn't want I didn't want to get beat right, up. Right, right, right. right. Uh, but then I'm like, if I'm in the gym, I'm gonna wanna. I'm gonna want to like spar a little bit just to see what's what. It's it's dude, it's baptism by fire. Yeah, you just have to do it. Yeah, I mean once you once you get in there, once that f- first punch hits your <laughs> hits your face, how you're long, okay. How long did <laughs> it take you to get used to getting hit? Just one punch. Pretty much one punch is all. I mean, I I grew up with with I had two brothers. I I had two brothers who really really picked on me, and one of them was my younger brother. So <laughs> I know you said Victor's boxer. Did you do any boxing in this film at all? No, no, no not, yeah. not not for. I mean, I would have if I didn't find Joe. I right. I was I was ready to to get in the mix, but again, I don't look the part. I I'm 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 too old. You sell yourself <laughs> as older looking than you are, though. 
you know, you have a, you could, you could shave the growth off a little bit. Oh no, I totally a have a, a baby face. <laughs> no, I, that's why I have a beard is because nobody takes me seriously if I don't have it. <laughs> uh, I feel that way. I'm, I'm afraid of what's under the beard now. I've had the beard for so long. Could, I don't know if it's all gone now. I've never seen it for yeah. proof. Um, my other thing was like, I feel like not boxing, not boxing movies so much because boxing movies do tend to, I think there's like almost a resurgence of good boxing movies lately. Well, yeah, the fighter was pretty good. That was the one with with Marky Mark. And like, again, it was kind of following the storyline, but I mean, there's a reason why Joe found so many similarities to Mm -hmm. this film and why so many other pugilists find similarities to this film because... I, I I don't mean to, like, cliched is the, the, the wrong term to use, but it is a very similar pattern for most of these guys because... Um, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, sort of, Yeah, right? Yeah, you, exactly. And you're doing you're doing things to to keep getting to that gym to, to, because you, who wants to get punched in the face for a living? For a lot of, for a lot of these guys, it's, they feel like it's their only opportunity. Mm. But even for Vince, it's not his only opportunity. He's, he's, he's doing it to get into college and that's it. Um, he doesn't want to do this professionally. He just wants to get a college degree and he, and he uses boxing as that vehicle and it gets him a scholarship, which he eventually fucks up. So, (laughs) see, I, um, I definitely feel like I got to boxing so that in case I ever have to get in a fight with somebody I can at least know how to not break my wrist when I punch someone well oh, now these these like UFC <laughs> fighters some, that, sorry, uh, a, a, uh, a boxer against a wrestler once a wrestler gets you down on the ground you're done <laughs> can, I, can I say this this is why I'll never get in a fight with anybody at a bar you watch like a boxing match sometimes you watch like Floyd Mayweather right like, I watched that fight with him and McGregor a few mm-hmm. weeks ago you don't think about it when they're on TV those dudes are not huge guys they're like normal-ish sized guys for the most part they're like jack but if they had like a, a you know like a sweatshirt on or something you wouldn't know it what if you bump into some guy at the bar who's like just some low-level mma dude and you get in a fight with him i'm not trying to get like a cross arm breaker in the bar you know what i mean like i'm, I'm never that's why i'm never trying to fight anybody i'm like i don't know what you know that well, I, don't. I mean like mayweather's still like tom cruise size so i mean like <laughs> yes he can definitely take anybody in his weight <laughs> in right. his weight division, but <laughs> okay. So if he's if he's let's say let's say what, I don't know what he is like five foot five. Let's say so I think he's he's either he's I want to say five six, five seven. If I'm being generous, maybe I don't know something I, like that. How tall do you have to be to be able to beat up Floyd Mayweather? No matter how bad you are at fighting, just too big for him. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you're like six eight, if you've <laughs> never taken a punch to the face before, yeah, you're you're but, probably gonna but get if hurt. If you can't reach your face, you're that's, <laughs> you're yeah, exactly that. I, I think um, that's that. Well, that was the one upper hand that McGregor had. <laughs> it was an interesting fight. Um, yeah, that will no, but yeah, <laughs> it was you, fun. <laughs> do you have a particular favorite boxing movie? I I had an interesting list of like they they pulled this list of boxing movies because I was curious after mm-hmm. I was reading about uh, after I watched the trailer and I was reading about everything. Um, these were like some of the top fifteen boxing movies. Well, it's always gonna had. be Rocky. Well, Rocky was number one. It's always gonna Rocky, be Rocky. was obviously but here's number the one. thing that's also similar about the Cold Days of Summer that to to Rocky. Mm. Rocky, when you break it down, is a love story. Yeah. yeah, it's a story about the underdog and he's a boxer and everything else. But again, it could have been a different sport. Exactly. And exactly. it ends with Rocky and Adrian. It's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see. I don't know. I'm trying to think of if it, you have to have some human aspect to it. Otherwise, it's just guys fight. Otherwise, want to just watch boxing, right? right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like even like Raging Bull was number three on this list. They had Creed over Raging Bull, which listen. 
I liked Creed. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, but no, no I would definitely put over, uh, Raging Bull over, over, over Scorsese. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Raging Bull. Um, for anyone who's never seen that movie, it's a great film. Uh, it's not an easy movie to watch, though. It's like an intense film, and it's black and white, and it's kind of rough. Joe Pesci's amazing in he that is movie. Amazing. I watched that movie in high school. Not even, maybe like, yeah, early high school with my girlfriend at the time who didn't understand what we were getting into. She thought it was going to be like a fun-loving sports movie. I was like, uh, oh, no. Oh, this, is, this is an art house <laughs> boxing film. Yeah, this is, yeah, is going to bring you down. I'm going to let you know right now. All right, as a man... As a man who's uh, been involved in boxing, then you grew up doing the boxing thing, you're making a movie about boxing. Yeah, I didn't boxing. grow up doing it. Well, I, I say I used to box. It was like maybe a year and a half that I did it. Well, still, that's <laughs> more than I did. Yeah. Uh, did you have like a favorite boxer, both in real life and in the movies growing up? Well, well yeah, I mean, there's obviously Rocky Balboa in the mm -hmm. movies. And in real life, I mean, Iron Mike, he Mike. was a completely different animal. Like, his... <laughs> Entire history is shrouded with his personal conflicts and everything else. And again, that's what makes him interesting. That's what makes these characters interesting is they are severely flawed. We put these guys up on pedestals like they're heroes, but I mean, they're anything but. They are anti-heroes. Yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. I mean, they 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 want to make the right decisions, mm -hmm. but they are they're you know, their their decisions are clouded. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, Mike Tyson was he was amazing. There's, there was nobody like him. Nobody. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, followers of, of the sport and everything are always going to say, go back to people like Rocky Marciano or uh, Muhammad Ali or uh, you know, a, a number here's of, thing. a long list of other fighters. But that guy, he was well, here's what boxing I'm, evolved. Here's why I'm glad <laughs> you said Tyson and not someone like Muhammad Ali or someone like that because you're sort of in my age range. I feel like it's hard mm -hmm. for me to say... I'm not denying that Muhammad Ali is not the greatest boxer of all time. Right. I'm saying that I never saw Muhammad Ali box, besides on video, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not denying that either. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just Mike, saying Mike Tyson I, was incredible. I watched a lot of Mike Tyson, right? Like, I saw <laughs> Mike Tyson. He was growing up. I knew more about Mike Tyson than Muhammad Ali because he was, like, the boxing star of the moment when heavyweight boxing still was, like, a thing that people were watching in droves and it didn't go down to lower weights. Sure. Um, but, you know... Tyson at least was a personality too. That's the thing. Tyson was a spectacle. Now it's all I don't know. Boxing just seems too corrupt in real life now. <laughs> he's like Tyson. He was like he was certifiable at one point. Oh yeah. He was just just spouting off nonsense. <laughs> there's a really good um, there's a really good documentary. Oh, not documentary. It's on YouTube. I watched where this guy went through every boxing match of the '90s, like every heavyweight boxing championship match mm -hmm. um not even all the heavyweight matches in the 90s and it was fascinating how many like how good boxing was in the 90s for the oh for sure so yeah. many amazing amazing boxers mm -hmm. um all right i'm away from boxing for a second i got another one for you sure yeah. all right okay all right i could i could talk about boxing all day but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um so let me ask you this uh, i've talked about this before in the past you i think maybe a long time ago the first time you guys were on but i'm always curious because uh, sometimes i feel like it changes I'm always I always play this game where I think about intellectual property. Like mm -hmm. if I could have access to intellectual property and do something with it, what I would want to do and how I'd want to do it, right? Right. Before this it movie came out, it was always I'd like to make it an HBO series. Sure. Right. Or I'd like to make uh Fallout the video game into right, a right. TV series. That would be incredible. If you had total <laughs> autonomy mm -hmm. on some intellectual property that you like to do something with, what would you like to do? Well, there's actually always one that I've um there's two, I should say, that I've always come back to, and I actually even contact contacted uh, their legal representation to try to acquire mm. rights to these uh, two different books. One's a Theod 
Theodore Sturgeon uh, story. Um, it's not even a full book. It's a short story called Shottle Bob, mm. which is bottle shop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, it's basically a supernatural story about a guy who can see ghosts. Mm. Um, it's it's incredible though. It's a very <laughs> short read. But, man, it's so, so good. Uh, another one is um, a book called uh, uh, Without a Badge. Mm. And that is about a real-life cop who uh, he started in upstate, uh, wanted to be a cop in the city, and uh, basically was around for the first encounters of crack. Okay. Um, and basically took on this... this uh, one man he's like a one-man army hmm. going against the cartels in fighting the war against drugs and sadly the book ends with really no no closure because <laughs> the war against drugs will never end but it's an incredible story and that would be a dope hbo series like that that would be incredible <laughs> um they made a miniseries of my favorite book of all time which is the stand um, and it's very bad it's one of the yeah, worst. Yeah, I remember. It was a Fox miniseries. They should, someone should do it right. I, I don't know who. That was just, like that period of time where Fox was producing these weird movies that yes. all looked the same. That's all the tech was back then. It was, it? but they all looked like it was shot in Canada. Everything. Every well, yeah, it's and most of it probably was, but it was cheaper. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like the time where they were producing movies like uh, the Killer Bees movie, and then it was like the. The attacking dog. It was a lot of animal see Frogs. Attacking. Frogs is a good one. Yeah, with Sam yeah. Elliott, young mm-hmm. Sam. Elliott. I a, do remember that. It's not a terrible film. Frogs. <laughs> um, Everything looked looked like Goosebumps. That TV series they had. <laughs> I like Goosebumps a lot too. Uh, before we get into our lightning round questions, uh, where can people go if they want to? I said I'll I'll link it, but it's uh, sure. it's, it's long. Yeah, <laughs> it's Seed and Spark, and you'll be doing crowdsourcing until when's the last date on this? Uh it's October. I want to say it's my birthday, October fourteenth. So from so from today through October fourteenth, uh, today September what is today the twelfth September twelfth. They really should have thought this through because we're like competing against Apple today. Their launch. <laughs> no one's gonna remember that in a couple of years. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, September twelfth through October fourteenth, I believe. Uh, we got a full month. Uh, we've got two milestones that we really need to reach, yeah. and we really, really, really we need your help. <laughs> to reach these milestones, one is we have to get 500 followers mm. through Seed and Spark, mm. which requires you to set up a profile. I know yeah. it's a pain in the ass, but it's really quick and easy to do. Yeah, yeah. You can do it with your Facebook. Yeah, yeah, right. So you yeah. go on there, you go to sign up, and it's click of a button, you have a profile, mm-hmm. and then you can follow us. So we need 500 followers, and then we need to raise at least $7,500, mm. which I've set the bar pretty low. Um, at this point, the funds that we're raising is strictly for development. We're only looking for 10 grand. And that's to basically entice other producers or, you know, uh, private equity, things like that, to really kind of get this thing going. Because, as they say, it takes money to make money. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I wish you good luck with all that, Thanks. obviously. Uh, I'm going to hit you with a couple lightning round questions before we go. Uh, I had to get new ones for you since you've been on the show before. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to play the autonomy game. Uh, you are on the world's largest cereal aisle. You have total autonomy in terms of what you can get. Price, notwithstanding, what cereal are you taking? Man, Number one. I am the cereal kid. I've tried them all. Uh, I really like O's. O's? That's a fringe cereal that I'm a big fan of. I'm I glad love you that. that cereal, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw one at you that no one talks about. You big fan of Crackin' Oat Brand? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Good man. Good for you. There's a there's a a, a, a cashy cashy cereal that's really good too. It's sweet potato. I uh I feel like the cashy cereals are always on the healthy aisle. I never go that way. Anymore. Yeah, they're. <laughs> I mean, they they technically are in the cereal aisle, but it's like they they sick. They want a buffer. Off. They're yeah. like, but it's like regular cereal, good friend cereal, yeah, yeah. And and cashy. Yeah. <laughs> See, when I was living in Brooklyn, the only cereal we would Brooklyn was. Nice because it was all malt oatmeal because everything was really expensive. It was like, nope, give yep. me the cereal that comes bag. in bags, yep. like six of them. <laughs> uh, you know what? It tasted pretty much exactly the same except for the Frosted Flakes. Mm. They don't stay so good in the milk, the non. The I, I've, I've had good luck with knockoff Frosted Flakes. Oh, and Magic Stars, which is a Lucky Charms knockoff. They're pretty good. It doesn't really taste like Lucky Charms, but it's better in its own right. <laughs> the Cocoa Puffs are a sad imitation of the, the, the Cocoa Puff knockoff. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no I, don't, I don't think anybody will crack that nut. Uh, same <laughs> question, if you had any choice, which game show do you feel like you could go on and succeed the most? Uh, maybe Wheel of Fortune, just because I feel like Pat Sajak is just like... You could you could be utterly insane and just host <laughs> that show. Like, Who's spinning next? Your turn. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe Family Feud. I mean Steve mm-hmm. Steve Harvey, but that's like his. You ever see like his reactions on YouTube where it's just like a compilation? Of oh like yeah, him being dis- disappointed in mm-hmm. humanity. <laughs> I like how you took this question as which show you'd want to host and not which show you'd want to be a participant on. I didn't really state it, and I like that you're the first person to take host. I you're did like, take no, host. I'm host. I love I, it. It's I, good. I, no, I heard that com- that question completely wrong. I love it. No, it's good. <laughs> I love it. It's ambiguous. It's great. I love it. Love it. Killer. Uh, this is one just for me um, because I'm a big pro wrestling guy. Mm-hmm. All right. So pretend that I am the chairman of the board, Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Come on, kid, pitch me your gimmick. What's your wrestling gimmick? Who are you? Oh my god, I've never, I've never actually thought of this before. Uh, I tell you, t- tell you what, I'm going to pitch you my gimmick as my lead from Cold Days of Summer okay. because <laughs> his moniker is Vincent Breaking Bones Patella. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have a good one for you if you're ever looking for a good gimmick for a wrestler. It's The Contrarian. Me and Justin Parkinson have been working on this. It's basically having said that as a wrestler. It's like, let me tell you something, Mike Flores. You may be a handsome guy, and you may be a great actor. Having said that, there's no chance you're in the ring with me. Ah, so there you go. That's a good one. The Contrarian. Don't steal it. Okay. It's a, it's a good one you can use on people sometimes. That's, that's good. Uh, I always ask this one before we let people go. Give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, I just finished up the last season, the seventh season of Portlandia. That's kind of disappointing. Um, that show is so, so yeah. good. And that last season, it was just released on Netflix like two days ago. And I, like, just kind of binged watched it while I was doing work. And I was, like, they didn't seem like their heart was in it anymore. You know, I like him just fine. I like Carrie Bradstone, uh, Carrie Bradstone a lot. I can't, I think I screwed her last name up. The one who's in the band. She was in Sleater Kenny. Yeah, yeah, Carrie, yeah. She's great. I have, like, a mixed opinion about Fred Armisen. I thought that show really was hilarious. I would watch the first couple seasons. I watched, like, a bunch of episodes. I love like, Fred Armisen. I chain-watched them. <laughs> And then I just sort of stopped watching them, and then I feel like I'd never gone back. I always skip past it on Netflix. It's not like I have a problem with it. I just mm-hmm. never revisit it, and I probably should. I feel like I, I definitely do. Almost yeah. as like like that's like almost a Simpsons level of of being able to like like rewatchability. Uh, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you come join us here. It's on always the a pleasure to be here. Uh, best of luck for you going forward. I hope things continue to go well. And, Thank you. Uh, Likewise. Thank you.
Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. I guess this he's it makes him a three time guest. He was on twice with the Nomad yeah. guys. You get on three yeah. times. No, you, oh. get, <laughs> you get close to being recurring. Close to be recurring guest. Yeah, recurring guest, Mikey Flores. Uh, salud. We made it through. I guess like the the hard part of the show this week. Here, cheers. Salud. I know. Nothing. Mm. Oh. <laughs> we also. Oh, it's not good. A tough time with that whiskey. That Duggan's do is not good. No, why don't you? You should have the rye. The rye is much better. Um, Ugh. we also came up with something during the break uh, for everybody who can prove that they liked, uh, that they liked, you know, became a follower. Yeah. Of Mike in his contest, if you can prove it, send it into us on Twitter, and Sam will make you a sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really nice. I make delicious sandwiches. <laughs> He's gonna make you a sandwich if you can prove that you liked it. <laughs> We just came up with that over the break, and by that I mean I'm just saying this right now. Like, really, we never talked about it. I like to make a good sandwich. I like to make I like to make a sandwich. What's your sandwich of choice? Let your boy know. Peanut butter and jelly, salami, gabagool, turkey, ham, hot ham, capicola. I got them all, baby. Roast is, beef. Is this what happens when you go to like a sandwich shop know, on a I date? Hey, yo, mixed cold cut. Two on along. Hey, six here, six inch medium man. Give me a side of pasta. Who got my friends? But you just like, you say it to the girl that you're on the date with. Like, They've got salami and bologna and ham. What do they have here? Oh, they got everything you need, baby girl. Oh, who got That just gave me out just saying it. Uh-huh. Sopranos. <laughs> You start doing the show on a tank top and a gold chain. How do you know that we're not? They don't know the way I'm not doing that right yeah. now. He's not. Be, I'm not doing that right now. He's not. I swear. <laughs> the same well, thing happened every time. Everybody's laughing and having a good time, Sam. So it might be, yeah, you better right. do some history. <laughs> that's right. The, the joy no. destroyer. The joy destroyer is here to take down your joy and hit you up with some history lessons. Get you learning here on a. Tuesday afternoon or whenever you're listening to this. I don't know when people listen to this. All right. Uh, this week we have five history stories. Five. Five. Count them. Five. Uh, this week on October 2nd, 1836, Charles Darwin returned to England. British nationalist Charles Darwin returned to England aboard the HMS Beagle, ending a five-year surveying expedition of the Southern Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, visiting such diverse places as Brazil, the Galapagos Islands, and New Zealand. Uh, did you ever read any... I'm sure you never read his book, The Origin of Species book. People talk about it, but no one's ever really read it, right? No. Like, no. It's, it's just about evolution, right? You don't need to read it. It's been, it's been distilled. Books, like, books of it. It's there. true. It, that's a good point. Distilled into it's the public distilled. consciousness. You don't need to read the whole book. Not, not even, like, oh, you know enough for public consciousness. You can study that book without reading it because it's so well studied. Mm. You know what I mean? Zach has a copy of this book, you said? It's all different. He has so many books. Because I don't read, but he does. Does he read, like, when you go home, is he, well, he's probably watching the He's baby. always reading. He's no, always baby's reading? sleeping right now, I think, yeah. Oh, good. He's always reading. Uh, as you would expect, his Origins of the Species, his first significant work, was greeted with great interest in the scientific world, but attacked by religious leaders for its contradiction of the biblical accounts of creation, which is why I can't talk about evolution or creation in school. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Thanks for that. All right, on this day in 19... 19- 
55, the so-called Brooklyn Bums, a.k.a. the Brooklyn Dodgers, won their first and only World Series uh, on this side of the country. Uh, Dodgers uh, won the World Series at last, beating the Yankees 2-0 in the seventh game. Uh, the uh, 1955 series turned out to be the only one for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, they lost to the Yankees in 1956. The year after that, the team's owner decided he'd rather play in a swank new stadium in a nicer neighborhood, and he moved the team to California. Los Angeles Dodgers have won the championship five times since then. Uh, what's sad about the Brooklyn Dodgers is that Ebbets Field, where they played, is now just like an apartment complex. And not that it's sad that like it's an apartment complex. Like I'm glad that they're using it for housing. But Ebbets Field was kind of cool. If you're ever looking for a good internet like uh, dive for baseball fans, Ebbets Field was like the weirdest dimensions you'll ever see in a baseball field. It was crazy. It was like 600 feet, something wild in the center. Pretty nuts. Ebbets Field. Ebbets Field. It's pretty cool. On this day in 1985, Hollywood icon Rock Hudson died of AIDS. What do you guys know about Rock Hudson? Uh, Rock Hudson was closeted. Mm -hmm. He lived his whole life as a gay man in Hollywood at a time when it wasn't okay to say that you were a gay guy. Yes, that's true. So he had a bunch of sham marriages. He might have been married to Elizabeth Taylor at one point. I could be wrong. Somebody like that, though. I don't have that information on here. I do have some information about him. He had some sham marriages. He did have some sham marriages. Um, Great name. Rock Hudson. His real name was Leroy Harold Shearer Jr. That's so a good name. Too. You see why they changed. Rock Hudson's a strong <laughs> name. Uh, so, yeah, on this day 1985, Rock Hudson at 59 became the first major U.S. celebrity to die of complications from AIDS. Uh, up until that point, many in the mainstream considered AIDS a gay plague. The uh, first case of AIDS was reported in 1981, and the earliest victims were gay men who were often faced with public hostility and discrimination. Uh, scientists and healthcare officials called for funding to combat the disease, and they were largely ignored by then-President Ronald Reagan and his administration. Rock Hudson was a close friend of Reagan's, and his death was said to have changed the president's view on the disease. It would still be until 1987 uh, when, uh, when Reagan came out to talk about it uh, and gave his first major speech about it. By that time... 20,000 Americans had already died from the disease. I read something interesting today, tangentially related to HIV. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam, I think I told you about you it earlier. Yeah. So I was reading that if you, uh, you know the bubonic plague, right? Who knows about the plague? Mm. I was reading an article because some cases have popped up in Madagascar. About 20 people have died from it, so they're kind of keeping an eye on it or whatever. And they were saying that there's, uh, the, there's a theory that the people who survived the bubonic plague like way back in the day have passed on the gene mutation that makes people immune to HIV. So somebody today who is immune to HIV, because certain people just can't get it, like when they're exposed, they're immune to it, that means somewhere along their bloodline, back when the plague was ravaging Europe and different parts of the world, they had a family member who got the plague but didn't die from it. Uh, it mutated hmm. the genetics, and then they passed that on. Hmm. And so it's a weird little strand. To two, right? I read that today. And like, to two major diseases. So if you're immune to HIV, that means you had somebody in your history that survived the plague. Hmm. Gotta check my Ancestry.com account to see if I have any <laughs> plague survivors. Uh, what? I don't, know, see if I find out, I don't think they were. I don't think they were uploading it into the Ancestry database in like 1366 when the Black Death was rampant. I, yeah, I always wonder about that. <laughs> uh, you know, Scotland. I'm glad you said it because I always think about that with the Ancestry.com stuff. They like, don't who's, know. where do they get that info from? They don't make that up, right? It's all. It's like you're related to. I don't know. Rock I'd Hudson. Like to, Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. What's going on here? I'd like to see. I've never taken enough time, but these like the people who do the genealogy tests or the the um you know Ancestry that kind of thing it mm. would be interesting I, I, oh, yeah. do it. I can only trace back to like my great grandparents but, but even like peripherally I don't know much off of that yeah, it's true 
Yeah, I'm saying I'm about to say I think it's about as far back as anyone can really go without having like detailed family yeah. histories floating yeah. around. All right, let's move on. Uh, on this day, 1991, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch earned a number one hit with the song "Good Vibrations." Um, at the time, there were a lot of like Hollywood actors who had attempted to cross over into like the singing music world. Like, uh, well, William Shatner, Eddie Murphy, Bruce Willis. Oh, he was uh, he was Marky Mark first. Well, that's what I, yeah, I'm yeah. getting into that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce Willis, David Hasselhoff, Steven Seagal. Uh, the uh, Marky Mark was the other way around. He started with the sort of lackluster the career in music and then became a pr- successful actor, sort of subverting this cliche. Uh, although number one hit, I guess, means you didn't have a lackluster music Good career. Good Vibrations is still hit. a bit of a banger. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's musical career began alongside his older brother, Donnie, as one of the two original members of the New Kids on the Block, uh, but young Mark dropped out before the New Kids found their late oh, 80s breakup. Yeah, yeah. He, mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until 91 when he got on, Don, him and his brother got on that hip-hop thing with Music for the People. That's when he found his great fame and fortune. If you watch, there's two movies with good scenes with good vibrations. Uh, one of them is the movie Don John, that Joseph <laughs> Gordon-Levitt movie, yeah. where he's dancing to it and yelling at people driving. It's pretty good. But in the movie Rockstar, yes. oh, you know yeah. about this. You know the movie Rockstar yeah. where Mark Wahlberg yeah. plays like the you know hair metal singer? In the credits, when they're playing other footage, if you watch through, they're doing like a rehearsal, so they're on the stage being like the heavy metal rock band, and the crew joking with him puts on good vibrations, and you can tell he's really mad for a minute, <laughs> and like not super into it, but then all of a sudden he busts out the dance routine, <laughs> ten years later, perfectly, like flawless, <laughs> in like the leather pants and the long rock star wig, and it was really <laughs> funny. Um, so 17 years after his breakthrough hit as a rapper, Wahlberg declined an opportunity uh, to join the reunited Funky Bunch on a reunion tour. Okay. Uh, yeah, Wahlberg doesn't need he the doesn't funky bunch. Like... <laughs> uh, not a bleeping chance, Wahlberg told MTV in the summer of 2018. How am I going to explain Marky Mark to my kids, he continued. <laughs> I have a few years to think about how to explain and finesse it. But I think about it on a daily basis. How am I going to tell my kids that I was in Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch? <laughs> Say what do you mind Mark Wahlberg sounds like the Sopranos. <laughs> they all just sound um, like the Sopranos. You know what's funny? I, I, let me ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Is Mark Wahlberg a good actor? Oh, um... I think for I the level him. that he does things in, I think he's fine. Like, I I don't... <laughs> I love the movie Boogie Nights. I think it's a great movie. But I can't think of a movie where I've watched Wahlberg where I'm like... Besides, like, The Departed, which I guess he was shockingly good in, the camp, there's not a movie I look at I'm like, yeah, Wahlberg really knocked that one out of the park. Yeah, if, no, if he, if he stays in his lane, he does a great job. He's like a tool with one very specific use. Like, is it a bad tool because he can't do a million things? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. He does what he does you task well. Yeah, kind of. you got to fit him mm-hmm. into a niche. He doesn't have as wide of a range, but I've, I've enjoyed a lot of his movies and stuff he's been in, so I can't really knock the guy. I'm not expecting him to go yeah, out no. there and give me, like... I enjoy what I watch when you I... Know, there will be blood. <laughs> I don't think that movie would have worked with him. <laughs> Uh, and last history lesson, uh, we don't have to go too far into this. We've talked about it a, a lot, I feel like, lately. On this day, in October 3rd, 1995, O.J. Simpson was acquitted for the uh, brutal double murder of his estranged wife and her fiancé, Ron Goldman, and Nicole Brown Simpson. He was released yesterday, wasn't it? That's why I brought it up. He was released yesterday, and uh, I think people are very curious about what they think he's going to do. Oh, I any... know what he's doing right now. <laughs> I, he's getting ready for a podcast. He's going to put us all out of business. The, the O.J. podcast, how I did it, or how I would have done it. It's going to get a billion downloads tomorrow. And we're going to be pushed I'll off the air. I, of course you would. Everyone's going to listen to it. Um, I said this last time we talked about the OJ thing. The only thing that I find really crazy about it 
is that there was never any like other suspects. There was never like a one armed man that OJ blew. There's well, no key did it. Yeah, they, know, they had no one else to pin it on. Uh, at the time, so you, this is directly from the from the article. OJ had no alibi for the time frame of the murders. Uh, single leather glove found out found outside Simpson's house matched the glove found at the crime scene. Uh, DNA test results, blood found on gloves, shown to have come from Simpson and the two victims. After arrest, further DNA tests confirm it. Wound on the hand with blood drops matching that found at Brentwood crime scene. Like, the list goes on. Um, again, I think this goes down in history as more of an important moment in history for other reasons, right? It's a cultural touchpoint sure. moment, more than, like, whether or not it was, whether or not he did it or not. Just spent like ten years golfing afterwards, talking about how he was looking for the killer on every golf course in <laughs> in Southern Los Angeles. Uh, all right, so that's it. Uh, oh yeah, there was one thing I wanted to say. Uh, you guys want to take a guess? Well, I guess there's no point in guessing. October third, uh, an estimated hundred and forty million Americans listened on the radio or watched on TV when the verdict was delivered. Hundred and forty million Americans. This country of about three hundred, maybe less back then. Yeah, three hundred million. That's why. Plus, there was like really Pretty. no internet. That was. I was in. To wait for it to see what it is. I was in elementary school. It was at Hughes Elementary School, and my teacher was playing, it, and I had no idea why we were listening to it or why anyone cared. I didn't understand. <laughs> I, didn't it. No, I didn't get it. I've got a. Uh, I've got a history lesson. Sure. Oh. I came with a history lesson. I'm here. Um, on the day we're recording this, on this day, October the second, mm-hmm. in the year two thousand. Um, well, probably my favorite band ever, uh, Radiohead, released their seminal album, Kid A. Mm. And they changed um, a lot of music forever. And a lot of music has never quite been the same and brought a lot of um, different electronic influences into the rock and alternative genres. And Kid A is still one of the best albums ever, so go listen to it right yeah. now. Kid A is dope. Because it's great. Yeah, Kid A is great. 17 years. It's one of the best. It's a really, really good album. It's crazy to think about what must have happened to people when that came out after being so used to OK Computer and the Benz and all that stuff. And just being like, what the hell is this? It's all robot noises. It's got to be hard. It's got to be hard somewhere along the way for like... It's hard to look back at it with like not today's eyes, right? It's hard to look mm-hmm. at it and be like, yeah, man... 2000, it, I wasn't listening to the radio. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anything. A lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of crap in 2000. Oh, geez, looks like, uh, sounds, I don't know if you guys picked it up with the microphone. Sounds like somebody upstairs died and they fell over. <laughs> they just crashed into the ground. <laughs> sounds like Parkinson tossed that dog. Uh, hey, just a quick update. We don't do this very often. Um, episode 48. It's been a long time. That's 71 episodes for you guys who are checking on the math. Uh, we last we last visited with our friends at the Adirondack Scenic Railroad, and they were talking about their ongoing lawsuit with the state about the uh, saving their rails. Uh, earlier this week, a judge tossed out uh, Governor Cuomo's $8 million Adirondack Rail and Trail Plan and saved the rails. Awesome. So 71 rails weeks saved, later. Man. Cheers. That's great. That's awesome news. And they're trying to get to Lake Placid, right? Yeah. Is that what they're trying to get? Yeah. Uh, this was a huge blow to the Adirondack Recreation Trail advocates, the group that had pushed for years for the new trail to be built. Uh, Cuomo obviously didn't doesn't seem too excited about this. He had already committed to spending $8 million on the rail and trail project uh, with construction planned earlier for this fall. So um, We have enough trails and things up in the Adirondacks to have fun on. Yeah, it would be, 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 be way better to be able to take a train up to Lake Placid and do something mm-hmm. like that. Than, yeah, leave them alone. Like these... Uh, I, 
So they, you don't need to go out and develop the Adirondack Wilderness Park. No. You guys are all set, Cuomo. Yeah. <laughs> so shout all out. So shout out to our good friends. Everybody down at the railroad. A lot of good friends of the pod down there. Fighting a good fight down yeah. there. Good for you yeah, guys. Go ride the rails. Let's go ride the rails soon. We'll take a Unicast on the rails trip. That'd be we so fun. Let's let's record an episode on the train. I want to. Unicast Could wine and wine and beer train. It's I'm up into for our it. producer. No, I'm back. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. See I'm if in. the producer's got a contact on yeah. there. So can go I got contacts. I'll call him up. I'll call him up. Uh, guys, let's talk about Donald Trump for just a minute. We've certainly forego Donald Trump uh, all episode. Try like hell. We tried really. <laughs> but I thought that this was just the ultimate moment of tone deafness. Um, you know, again, a lot of wild stuff between him and tweeting at Puerto Rico and oh, that's so... stuff this week. Yo, did you know that 50% of the people in Puerto Rico haven't had drinkable water for over 10 days? Yes. 50%. Oh, it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. They might not get power again for six months. I'm reading all these articles about schools just, gonna not go back. This is gonna weeks. be when this once everything yeah. comes out, once everybody finds out what's going on on that island, it's mm. gonna be this is gonna be one of the worst things that's ever happened in mm-hmm. the history of this country. And I don't really say that lightly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so talk about the bum, yeah, the Tangerine Dream. Well, if anything, he did deliver one thing to the people of Puerto Rico this week. And all hurricanes, many mm-hmm. sides, many, many sides, sides of the hurricanes, hurricanes. both Florida and uh, Houston as well. Both people who can vote. Electorally and those who can't. <laughs> President Trump on Sunday uh, decided a like that. <laughs> decided a golf trophy to the victims of a recent power of recent pile of hurricanes that tore through Texas, Florida, and Puerto Rico uh, was a adequate response yeah. on behalf of all the people of Texas and all these people. If you look today, see what's happening, how horrible it is. We have it under really great control now. Puerto Rico and the people of Florida who've really suffered over the last short period of time with these hurricanes. I want to just remember them. And we're going to dedicate this President's Cup trophy <laughs> to all these people who this. went through oh, so yeah. much. I didn't even hear this one. Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Uh, what Trump, yeah. Trump's yeah, remark. No, Trump's, it wasn't. That's not real. That's, that's a real quote. No. Trump's remarks it's were, on video. were made as he presented the trophy uh, to U.S. golf captain Steve Strickler following the President's Cup golf tournament in New Jersey. <laughs> Trump tweeted out a video of him presenting the trophy later on Sunday uh, to... I can't, I can't listen to this right now. I can't even, oh, I can't even hear this. Well, uh, for you folks who are curious to see if there's any more news about this, there won't be because by the time you hear this, the president is planning on traveling to Puerto Rico on Tuesday or today by the time this episode is out. So, oh. But just remember, he thought that the, the dedicating oh the President's Cup golf trophy, which isn't even the best golf trophy <laughs> to the people of Puerto Rico, oh. is a... Slick move. See, if you lived in New York City, so you might know what I mean, and I certainly don't mean any offense, nothing but the most, most utmost admiration when I say this, but you might know exactly kind of what type of person I mean. I would love to have a video come out of Trump when he's visiting, visiting Puerto Rico of a really angry middle-aged Puerto Rican lady just dressing him down. <laughs> yes, someone in from a the public bodega. setting, and you know, you know exactly just, what I mean. I'll hang in the bodega and I'll ask people what they think about this. Um, Maybe somebody can finally get through. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a story that'll make you guys feel a little better. You guys ready for something to feel a little better? Um, have you ever... All right, what's the theory about dogs and cats? I've talked about this before on the show. Like, dogs love humans and cats are kind of ambiguous just, to them, right? They just hang. They just hang, right? Yeah. They don't like you as much as dogs, right? That's the general consensus. Dogs like you more than cats. Correct? Uh, sure. I don't right? know. Well... That apparently is not... You can make arguments, but he's doing a thing. Yeah, we're going to let him do it. Go ahead. We don't ruin it. Uh, Dog lovers have always told cat lovers that while their latter animal may smell less, doesn't need walking, and is arguably more intelligent, they don't like humans, and they are fundamentally selfish. (laughs) 
However, new research from Oregon State University, uh, published on Friday, concludes that cats enjoy human contact more than previously thought. Matter of fact, cats seem to enjoy human contact more than the concept of actually eating. So it's not just the idea that they like us because we give them food. Uh, apparently, they do enjoy being around humans as well. So it's not just a... That. Well, yeah. I mean, look at the you know CEO of Made in Utica, uh, Charles the Cat. It's true. He, he loves, loves the humans. He's like the Every one, single he's human like who the comes 1% in. Of cats. I've met a lot of cats like really? that. Really? I have three. Yeah. And when I'm away, they're all over the living room. And when I'm home, I don't even see them. I think one of the things with cats Maybe. is um, <laughs> almost not true. Almost more treats important. treats and everything. Really? And they they treats and everything. They don't, nothing. They know you're an easy mark. You're making it too easy for them. Cats are socialized very differently when they're young, and cats are also much less likely to be socialized when Our they're young. Our cats are all feral cats. That's what I mean. A lot they of people like get cats where cats were kittens out in the wild. Dog yeah. puppies don't really grow up in the wild. People yeah. people got a home for the puppies always. People see a box full of kittens, like, what can I do? Yep. They're okay. So they don't always get socialized the same way, but I think with the same socialization, they might have a deeper capacity for a yeah. different kind of well, respect and love and admiration. I love my cats, and we're going to keep them. You stay away from Charles. Charles is an excellent cat. Uh, The author of the study (laughs) wrote this. Uh, While it has been suggested that cats' uh, sociality exists on a continuum, perhaps skewed toward independency, uh, we have found that 50% of cats tested preferred interaction with the social stimulus, even though they had a direct choice between social interaction with a human and their other most preferred stimulus from three other categories. So, there you go. Okay. Just a fancy version of saying what I just told you. Oh, you know. <laughs> so, there you go. Cats like us more than we thought. Um, this is a story that I initially thought was going to freak out Heather. I like to give a good freak out story. Uh, but now, in hindsight, I think it's probably going to freak out Kevin. Um, Doubt it. Okay. From <laughs> This is from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Canadian woman posting graphic images of her eye-leaking purple tattoo dye says that she may be partially blind after a risky tattoo on her eyeball. Uh, Doesn't bother me a bit. I just thought that was a pretty stupid move of her. Doesn't bother me a bit. Do you want to know why? (laughs) Why? It's not my eye. It's still gross looking. I'm only concerned about it? people touching my eye. Did you see the it's eye? It's not my eye. Did you see it? Though? I saw the eye. There's the picture. To say, I, here it's it is. The eye body, bad radio. That's she disgusting. looks like an idiot. She oh. does look like an idiot. Why would she tattoo her eye, though? Because she probably thought that it said that she was a burgeoning model. So she probably thought she'd get more Instagram followers and then get free sponsorship oh. money off Instagram by having followers for being the model with the purple eyes. AKA, she's dumb. But no, I don't care because it's not my eye. Well, Eyes only freak me out when they're my own. It was gross. Like to touching look at. mine. Yes, it's true. Uh, she said, I took my eyesight for granted and trusted someone I should have. And even if this heals, my eyesight is never going to be bad. Who did you trust? Who was your guy? Who was like, <laughs> who's your guy? He was like, no, trust me. Trust me. I got the in on the eyeball tattoos. I'm, I got a guy. <sighs> Lady, she also has a chess piece in this tattoo that looks like a Nintendo controller and a picture of Link. So I like her better now than I did 30 seconds ago. Good for her. Maybe she's single. <laughs> has it come that low? <laughs> like recently blinded Canadian? <laughs> like failure. purple eyes. Oh, maybe uh, she's single. Maybe she's single. Who knows? She's exactly what um, I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jesus. Uh, no, so yeah, don't get your eyeballs tattooed, guys. It's very silly. Um, and I guess I'll close out on something uh, a little bit lighter than eyeball tattoos and Trump and all that sort of thing. Guys, uh, early this week I had to go to a class, uh, a college class, and you'd be surprised, but we actually watched a movie in class, which was kind of a nice bonus. Watched a mainstream movie, and I have to write a paper about the um, the cognitive aspects of like that are presented in the film. 
Uh, if you guys want to know, the movie was a film called Pay It Forward. Have you ever seen this movie? Mm-hmm. I know of the movie. I've never seen it, but I know what you ever the seen recent it? one that came out. Like, well, no, no, no. yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yes, not recent, but within. that's the one with Haley the sixth jo- sense. Yes. Kid. Yeah, Haley yes. Joel Osment. Before his head got so big, uh, his face. Did you like it? Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. it made me think a lot. Mm. <laughs> it was fine. I'll put it that way. I did <laughs> say, I said this. I like Kevin Spacey a lot. He's very good. Helen Hunt really acted the hell out of that movie. And that Haley Joel Osment kid was still pretty cute at this point in time. If it weren't for those three people, this would have been a Lifetime movie. Yeah, I haven't watched it. It was a little sad. <laughs> well, I actually like I like I like Lifetime movies, too. Um, but I didn't know this when I was looking it up. Uh, this is a movie that gets talked about a lot, because I went looking on the internet to look up some information about this movie as I was watching it, because I can't focus on anything for more than like an hour and a half these days. Um, I didn't know that this was a movie that was based on a book. Not only that, the main character from the book was whitewashed and turned into a white guy, Kevin Spacey. He was a black guy in the novel. So I thought it was interesting, and it got me thinking about other movies that you may or may not have known were based off of popular novels. So here we go. Did you guys know that 1980's Die Hard was based on a novel? Mm-mm. I did not. Yeah. Something called... I no- expected to stunt all over this category, and I'm like, already down one. <laughs> Nothing Lasts Forever is the name of the book. Uh... Few stories are changed. His name isn't John McClane. It's Joe Leland in the book. Joe Leland. Dumb. Kind of bad. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. So not only is this the uh, is it based on the book Nothing Lasts Forever, it's actually a sequel to a movie from 1966 called The Detective, starring uh, Frank Sinatra. So this 1966 movie called The Detective Went is to a book and then to a it's actually yeah it's, it's actually a sequel. Uh, Die Hard is actually a sequel to this movie. Let's move on. Forrest I'm Gump. interested to see if you have that much backstory for every one of them, or if you have that much backstory because it's Die Hard and you love Die Hard. <laughs> I have backstory. I'm interested to see as I this goes. <laughs> uh, Forrest Gump. I did yes. Not. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, the author's name is Winston Groom. Matter of fact, Winston Groom has actually only written two novels. <laughs> this, and then his most recent novel, which came out last year. So there you go. That's my Winston Groom story. called Transformers 4 Revenge of the Fallen. That was his second novel. Oh, really? From Forrest Gump to... Yeah, that's what it was. I love when an author, like, hits it big with one to two books, like the Harper Lee or, like, J.D. Salinger model. Mm. Like, just now I got a book or two. That's it. I don't need to put out 12 Mm. books. The original book was very different. Uh, Forrest uh, Forrest used profound language in the novel, and the author originally wanted him to be played in the film by John Goodman. So there you go. That was his impression. Uh, how about I like this? John Goodman. I do like John Goodman. How about this one from 2004? Mean Girls. Do you know that Mean Girls is based off of a novel? I wouldn't have expected that, no. Mm. Yes, that's right. It's based off a New York Times bestseller called Queen Bee and the Wannabes, a self-help book for parents whose daughters were going through high school. Mm. Tina Fey read it and thought it could be turned into a movie. So, so not a novel. Uh, see, see that's right. the thing. That's what I was going to ask. Is this like we vaguely got this idea from a book, or is there a novel I can read about like Regina George and mm. the people in the things? Apparently, she the characters are nonfiction, but a lot of the stories and scenarios were taken from the book. Okay. okay. So, uh, number four, Jurassic Park. That one's kind of obvious. We of course. all know that one. Uh, number five, Howl's Moving Castle. Didn't see the book Never or the movie. I don't even know what that is. Is that Castlevania? No, it's something. Is yeah, that the same thing? Know. Number six, Shrek. Did you know Shrek was based on a, on a book? No. I did know that because I had the book when I was a little kid. It is a William Steig children's book, and it's actually uh, very funny and very good. <laughs> but again, it's a kid's book, right? Like, it's like 12 pages long. <laughs> so it's not like a lot of like the Shrek movie is not really had anything to do with. All right, I'll blast through a couple here and stop me if you hear anything interesting. 
Legally Blonde, 2001. Do you know this was a novel? I think I had heard that, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about Pitch Perfect in 2012? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, no. There you go. How about Mrs. Doubtfire? Mm -mm. That's Maybe? right. Based on Madame Doubtfire by Anna Fine. Uh, this is actually pretty good. Um, in the book, the two eldest children immediately recognize their new nanny as their father in disguise. And only, yeah, <laughs> only the youngest sister and the mother are convinced that it's actually a different person. Hmm. So it has a different kind of take on it. Uh, Goodfellas, which I did know was based on a novel. Yes, I've read that. Yeah, Nicholas Pileggi's 1980-something classic. Uh, we have wise that guy. in the middle room. Yeah, it's a good book. That. Of course you guys do. Uh, we got some books. <laughs> I Heather. know you do. Sorry. <laughs> so sorry that we read. Uh, how about how about this one? 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes, I did know that. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, it is loosely based on a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary K. Wolf. Mm -hmm. I know this not from the notes here. Uh, Gary K. Wolf so much liked the film version of his novel that he went back and fixed the novel years later to make it more like the movie. That's how much he liked the adaptation. Oh, wow. It's crazy when that happens. Yeah. Um, Polar Express. Yeah, again, kid's book turned yeah, into a movie. Uh, Psycho, 1960s. You know, Psycho was a novel before it was an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Oh. I did not know that either. I'm, that one's new for me. So there you go. And I guess we'll close on one more. Uh, how about 1995's Clueless? Mm -mm. <laughs> yes. Well, because that's counted as based on Emma by Jane Austen, Yes, right? that's right. And teen classic Clueless is actually based on a Jane Austen novel. It's a modern retelling right. of Emma set in mm -hmm. 1990s Beverly Hills rather than 19th century England. So there you go. There's some novels you may not have known were uh, were the set pieces for films. Uh, anything else you want to toss in before we close out? This day is a good way to end it. I feel like. Yeah, you did good there. I tried yeah. my best. That was good. Yeah, one. that was pretty nice. I mean, we can toss it and go for another hour if you want to. I know that's good. <laughs> I'm trying to pull to, it down. We can pull it down. Everyone knows Monday night means wrestling. I still got lots of editing to do. Uh, folks, follow Heather on Twitter at HeatherWaz1. Follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan. Uh, follow me at SF Doom or just follow the show at Uticast. What? What's the matter, Heather? Kevin still won't. She wants to know if she can get unblocked. She Twitter. always gives me, she always she tries to hit me. She hits me with the doe eyes when we're, we say that. Twitter. She's like, please unblock me. And I'm like, no. You asked for it. Be firm. Please. That was my. That's okay. You did good. That's right. So, guys, again, please. Uh, <laughs> instead of me doing my normal spiel here, go support our good buddy Mike Flores. Uh, follow him on the Season Spark thing. Support his film, Cold Days of Summer. Follow us. Uh, I'll get all the links going forward. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on Season Spark. Give blood. Give, give blood. blood. Please go give blood. Not do to us. something. Don't give us yeah, no. We don't, want your blood. <laughs> don't send me your blood. Please don't send me your blood. Uh, keep it tight. Uh, sayonara, humanoids. Uh, Woodstock lives. I'm turning you off. Turn me off.